Hey everybody, welcome to the Bagnum Broadcast, episode number 259. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the books that we are looking forward to coming out May 6th. 2015. You know what, John? That's a day after my birthday. Hey, happy birthday! Happy birthday, Paul! We, I just said that because we mentioned how it was on your birthday last week. The comic book releases. Podcaster Paul, colon, birthday boy. No, I don't think so. I, what I do think is we should talk about our main topic because it's always exciting. And this week for our weekly rotating main topic, it is our April look back. We're going to be looking back at some of the books that came out in the month of April, including Convergence, some of the Convergence spinoff books, Canon, Canon. Oh, we were gonna. We were look gonna look that up. We don't. Trailer. We didn't. No. Uh, the last Padawan, the newest Star Wars book, and Uncanny Inhumans number one. Yeah. Zero. Oh, it's a zero. Zero. My bad. Oh, that's all right. Did I read number one? We'll talk about it. Uh, we'll, I didn't buy number one. Okay, so we. So we read zero. So we read. Everything's a okay, boys. I'll drink to that. Yep. What did you buy, John? You you brought this beer to us. Uh, I brought this you. beer to us. Uh, our. Local, semi-local brewery, Omegang, uh, brewer. New York State's own. Yeah. Uh, has been making a lot of noise about their Nirvana IPA. They're least Belgian-y of all their beers. Yeah, it's weird. It's just a standard IPA. Oh, we didn't mention this. Hey guys, I'm actually in studio today. Hey! I came to Buffalo for the weekend because it's my two best friends' birthdays within the past week, so. Yeah. Here I am. Six days in between. <laughs> so you came in for the weekend three days later, uh, from John's birthday and three days away from mine. It's, Perfect right, split. Right in the middle. Right, right in the middle. middle. And he's sustained for three days, which is amazing. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was nice to have a it's the power of three. entire weekend off. Hey, Tiger Who Ups. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not Belgian-y at all. I was really expecting it to be spiced up. It's basically just your standard IPA. Mm-hmm. It's not bad, but there's nothing. There's, there's nothing too crazy about it. It's got a really good aroma to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it says to drink it about 40. We're probably drinking around 50 degrees. Um, I think a little colder. You might not have that little bit of bitter on the back end. Um, but not a bad IPA. It's better than some IPAs that we've it, had. It's mm-hmm. better than some other Omegang beers. Yeah. It's, it's more pine than citrus or the really deep citrus rind. Not that, uh, grapefruity, but just pure rind on it. Um, and the thing of it is, is like, oh, Omega made an IPA. I'm really excited because I loved the Ithaca Box of Belgians IPA offering in there, where it was that a was Belgian really, really plus IPA. I'm like, oh, this is Omega. They're of course going to do a Belgian because why wouldn't they? Because they're a Belgian brewery. And they and they went, no, no Belgian flavor at all. It's just a straight up IPA. It's good, but I think the IPA market is so full. Of great choices. Um, this is a good one. Do you think this is them trying to break in to that market? Yeah, a little bit. Because I think I, everybody says, oh, Omegang. They do Game of Thrones tie-ins and uh, Belgians. Mm-hmm. And unless I want a Belgian, I'm not going to order uh, Omegang. And we've really been enjoying those Belgian IPAs that mm-hmm. other breweries have been doing. I yeah. think I think we drank two cases of... The, the box of Belgians. Yeah, yeah we, well, we all enjoyed it. We've got two good cases, and then we're like, oh, there's still one here. Bought the third, and we're like, oh, it yeah. must have been on the <laughs> we shelf for that, a little too long. We bought that third like four months later, and we're yeah. like, oh, they still have it. And yeah. everything was just a little too yeah. too far gone. Because mm-hmm. um, it's not, it wasn't bottle conditioned Belgians. Yeah. 
So their flavors they, they aren't going to hold. They were meant to drink right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, nuts, you know, six and a half percent. It's a nice little IPA. It was only nine ninety nine for a six pack. And they have it in a cardboard box. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. You can't steal a bottle out of it. I don't know mm-hmm. why to have it so boxed up. Um, but they're really making a big deal about this IPA. I, I applaud them for doing something different, which just turns out to be what everyone else is doing. So that kind of takes away from it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I put this at like a 2.75 out of five. Wow. Like it's, it's good, but there's nothing that makes me want to be like, Oh, you know what? I want to decent IPA. I'm going to get this. I would take any other IPA before this one. It, if they weren't available, then I would go for this one. It's only 6.5. It's still higher than like a session IPA. And I've been enjoying the session IPAs a lot more than just our standard IPAs. See, I drank a lot of session stuff yesterday at mm-hmm. all day game day because I had a lot of the stuff from the Great Lakes sampler pack and it was all just really light and Having everything in a row just coming maybe be like, eh, I, mm-hmm. they're all basically the same. That's kind of how I've I've felt about sessions for a while. Yeah, they're good to have, you know, quite a few of them and not really feel it, but nothing really. It's far and few in between that one really stands out. Yeah, I'll try a new session, but it, they're not something that I'm going to continue mm-hmm. to go back and drink unless it's something like at Founders where they'll do the Firkins. Will okay? They're yeah. going to have their all day IPA. With something else, or the all night IPA with something like that, I I will gladly try. But which I think those are probably the best sessions. I like that. I like the session still from Otter Creek, and I really do like the Saranac uh, Gen Five or Gen Four that's out now for hmm. those sessions. Those are my three top sessions, not in any particular order. Hmm. I know that producer Scott is listening to this episode and wants me to put them in order right now, <laughs> screaming at the show. Well, it's okay. Why don't we put? All of our news in order. Hmm, we shall. Uh, yeah. No, I was going to say, producer Scott can put his sessions in order on his show, Western New York Brews, which you guys found at westernnewyorkbrews.com. I have no idea where it is. <laughs> he should give us something on to print it out. Yeah. We yeah. can read his taglines for him. Mm-hmm. Shame on you, Scott. Always record <laughs> and always give us a printed <laughs> list of things you want us to say about mm-hmm. your thing. Yeah. But this past week was a free comic book day. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, And free comic book day always comes after whatever the first big comic book movie releases of the summer. And it just so happened to be Avengers Age of Ultron, which we all got a chance to see, which was really nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Together. Together. It was was an experience. Uh, We don't want Mm -hmm. to turn this into a review, but it just so happens that Age of Ultron is on the Bagna Boardcast Summer Movie Blockbuster Bracket Buster. Oh, right. I forgot to pull up that number. You asked me to do that. But that's fine. No, it's fine because it did extremely well. Uh, It has the second highest opening day for a movie release. It's still right behind Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. That one Mm -hmm. did like 90 million. I believe Age of Ultron did like 87 million, which... Yeah, 84 million, uh, for for opening day. Uh, the weekend estimates right now, because we're recording on Sunday at about five, uh, over at Box Office Mojo is about 187.6 million dollars. Uh, that would be the second largest opening of all time, uh, behind, you guessed it, The Avengers, the first one at 207.4 million. Uh, their estimates over at Box Office Mojo are pretty spot on. 
you know, give or take a million dollars. Now, I'm going to ask you to do a little bit more work on your end, Paul, because I've seen a lot of people talking about, well, is this going to be enough to outpace or beat Furious 7, which has done over a billion dollars worldwide now. Do we know how much that did? And it's opening Uh, weekend? Okay. Uh, Well, Furious 7, it's been open for over 31 days now. And in 31 days, it has 330.5 million dollars. We only do domestic. I don't know the. I'm not going to look up uh, because for our bracket, we do domestic only, not worldwide, because the release dates for worldwide get really crazy. Yeah. And we want to match up time and time, you know, uh, time together. So let me look up Furious Seven for you while you guys talk about other news. Yeah. It honestly, besides this, it's been kind of a light week. other notable story was, I don't know if you guys saw this, but apparently Ryan Felipe, Felipe, however you say it, is in talks with Marvel, and it's rumored to be that he'll be appearing in the Iron Fist Netflix show. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he's the Danny Rand I want. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm Dan- not sure of his intentions. Here's, here's the thing. They're, they might be kind of cruel. <laughs> Actually, the last movie that I saw him in. Yeah, that's the uh, only movie I think I've seen. No, he, Way of the Gun, right? Way of the Gun. He's not an actor that I gravitate towards, but I have nothing against him. But if you have to boil down Danny Rand, he's pretty boy CEO, happens to fall into some shit. And it just leads to him becoming a master of kung fu. Um, I could see him more playing a bad guy. I think that's more where I'd want him to play, because um, I think he could carry that a little more. Um, but there's so many Marvel projects going on right now. Who's to say what he's meeting them yeah. for? I mean, it really, it's just somebody saying, "Oh, that guy could be Iron Fist," mm-hmm. because who knows? He well, could be. He could be in Inhumans. He could be in Panther, Black Panther. He could be. You know, Bullseye in the second season of Daredevil. There's nothing really set in stone that. It has to be Iron Fist. I'd, I'd like them to get going on Iron Fist, though. I really enjoy Daredevil. And I think Netflix is enjoying the fact that it's performed as well as it has. So why not get everything else rolling on the rest of those series now? If they can perform as well as Daredevil has for them, get those out. Because yeah. that's going to get people watching your stuff more. Daredevil is the highest watched uh, Netflix original programming. Um, I think it's beating everything else by like 60 million views or something like that. Like well, it's, it's understandable. I mean, everything else has been out for a while now, like House of Cards. Arrested Development came out like two years ago. Richie Rich isn't going to do anything. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt was fun, but that's a completely different type of show that's not going to put up huge numbers. So I think Daredevil just has the right amount of buzz behind it and the fact that it's a Marvel property. Yeah. And people were clamoring for that second season and now the third season of um, House of Cards. And that was the highest at the time with, I think, like 30 million views. And now with like 90 million views is Daredevil. And talking about numbers, it's great that Daredevil's doing so well. Fast and the Furious 7, or Furious 7, did $147 million its opening weekend, so that's about $40 million behind what uh, Avengers 2 is estimated at. So, yes, I no. do believe Avengers 2 will catch up. Because also, uh, Fast 7 had a huge drop-off, over 50% drop-off that next weekend. So, it over, it's done only $340 million. 
so far over 31 days over a month and over half of that was its opening weekend so but also it didn't have anything it's going up against mm-hmm. i mean this is may like we have movies coming out every week now that are movies that people want to go see yeah but they're going to get steamrolled by the Avengers. By the Avengers. Because it's all good buzz. It's not like people, any kind of critic review or anything is, oh, this one isn't worth your time or worth the money to go see it. So I think uh, it's going to get good word of mouth. People are going to love the action spectacle of it and go see it. It is an action spectacle. It is. It is. Do we have any other news worth talking about? Tell us some shit about computers. You want to know some shit about computers? Uh, it looks like... Konami's in some trouble. They, oh, no! Yeah, they uh, decided to take themselves off the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, also, rumors are flying that the Silent Hills by Koji, uh, he, It was uh, Guillermo del Toro and, and Hideo Kojima. G- yep. Yeah, since Nagi Kojima Sala. has left uh, Konami and will, he says that he's still like part of uh, Metal Gear, the next Metal Gear Solid game, but that's going to be the last Metal Gear Solid. Metal, <laughs> we've been drinking. Um, Metal Gear Solid game that he's going to be involved with, and uh, but it looks like Silent Hills is being canceled. The demo, playable demo, has now been pulled off the PS uh, PlayStation Network, and Del Toro is now kind of going quiet about it. Like he's been asked recently, and he good. He made my Haunted Mansion movie now. Uh, in our Dark uh, Justice League, like that guy's got him spreading himself way too thin. <laughs> Uh, but I thought that was kind of interesting because Konami has been around forever and to see them kind of like losing their way is kind of un- uh, upsetting. So, uh, what isn't upsetting? More games on, uh, good old games from <laughs> Star Wars. Sure. So, yeah. The Rebel Assault now there, you know, free up their aids to both X-Wing and TIE Fighter. You know, we go, go online, download all those great classics and get some games. Get some so games. Is this the original milkshake style? Uh, according to Rochester Mills Brew, uh, Beer Company, this is the original milkshake style. That's our next beer. Uh, this is a stout brewed with milk lactose and cocoa nibs. Uh, I brought this to the table, literally. This is a uh, Michigan beer. Yeah, there's also a Rochester, Michigan. Who would have known? I didn't. Uh, we live pretty close to Rochester, New York, so it's cool to see that there's a Rochester in both states that I've lived in now. Um, this is something that you can find on tap at pretty much any bar in Michigan. Really? Like, it's, it's all over the place. I had it one night and I was like, oh wow, this is really tasty. And now anytime I see it somewhere, like, I will get it, uh, with my dinner. So when I saw they actually had in cans, I was like, awesome. I know I mentioned this on the show before. I will gladly bring this, uh, for you guys to try. We popped open a can. We split it three ways. The cans were warm. And I was like, it's, it's better, a little bit colder. Uh, we chilled one while we were talking to producer Scott from over at WNY Brews. You can actually hear us talking on, uh, episode number three about cellaring beer. So make sure you check that out. Over at WNYBrews.com. Uh, and while that was going on, uh, we pulled out the chilled can and I like it a little bit more, but it's missing a little bit something that you get from having it on draft. Cause that's the only mm. other way I've ever had it. Yeah. And these aren't, um, these aren't draft cans, yeah. So you're you're missing that little bit, but uh, difference between warmer and the chilled one, the cocoa nib really come yeah. out yeah. in the cold. Uh, I think it's I I really liked it warm, and I think I liked it a little bit better warmer. Mm-hmm. But the colder has that 
cocoa on the back it, end. It's really that, That's where you're getting the, the milkshake stuff from. And I think when you actually have it on draft, you get a little bit more air in it than you do just from pouring it. Mm-hmm. Um, which, it just makes it creamier. It's, it's wonderful. It's still good. Mm-hmm. I, I like this a lot. Yeah. And I, I think next time we're in Michigan for beercation, uh, we need to go somewhere that has this on tap. Yeah, yeah this is actually, going hand in hand with the nitro, left hand nitro. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, uh, cold. And, you know, on the warmer end, yeah, I, I agree that the chocolate nibs were coming through, but I think that's because warmer, maybe the lactose, the lactose, you know, kind of coats the tongue a little bit more, and the coldness kind of helps just move things along. I don't know. I'm not a molecular biologist. Oh, I'm not either, but I'm glad you guys like it. Yeah, like it a lot. It, it's always good to bring a beer that you like to the table and have someone uh, appreciate, appreciate it. it. Much like maybe our picks for the list. Hey, oh, man. This is going to be the comic books that are coming out, what, May 6th? Six. Hey, you know what that is? Day after day your birthday? Day after Cinco de Mayo. Uh, <laughs> and I'm actually looking forward to something we're going to be talking about in the show. Uh, Canon. The last Padawan, I, we're going to pronounce it differently every time we pr- say his name, I think, just because one of the times we'll get it right. Ne- next break, I think we need to look it up. Okay. And this is the secret history of Kanan mm-hmm. uh, from Star Wars Rebels. This is telling his backstory from basically uh, Order 66 on. Hmm. And it's it's a fun Star Wars book. I'm actually looking forward to a book coming out from Marvel as well. And this is going to be Secret Wars number one by Jonathan Hickman and Isad Ribic. And if you want to know what this is about, just read uh, DC's Convergence series because they're <laughs> basically the same thing. Different va- like facets of the multiverse being pitted against each other mm-hmm. for dominance. And what will remain in the wake mm-hmm. is the new status quo for that publisher's comic book. One, I have to right now give it to the edge to Marvel Secret Wars, because if you go to Marvel Comics website and you can look up the battle world and it gives you a map where you're clickable and you can click on what, who borders what and which worlds are in the Secret Wars. Well, it's, it's from it's Jonathan fun. Hickman, so of it's course there's, there's going to be diagrams and involved. Cool. I love maps. I'm going to go to that part of the site right now. Go ahead, John. Uh, I'm looking forward to a book that does not come out regularly. Uh, I think this is year two of this book, and we're hitting issue number seven. Wow. Uh, and this is Daymen. Uh, I enjoy this book so much that I will wait the time between issues because it looks great, the story's been good, and everything's been building in this day men world and it's going to be soon a fight to the death uh with the um titular uh day men um are they fighting David. the nightmen and no he's going to be fighting in a justice by day against jacob the opposing family's day men hmm. and uh it's it's been building and i can't wait uh really enjoy this series um it's been going on for like a year and a half, maybe a little longer. We're only at issue seven. But as I said, I don't mind. Beautiful looking book. Really good story. You done with your map, buddy? Oh, it's, it's loading. Oh, it's okay. Oh, it's taking a long time for the load, taking, huh? Yeah, taking, well, there's a lot of information there. It's a Jonathan Hickman map. Mmm. Enter Battle World. And it's, yeah, it just keeps en- on. Enter Battle World. It keeps on just, uh, did you pause? No, no. Okay. I, I'm not paused. This why don't you take, recording. Why don't you take a pause? Okay, we can take a pause. 
And now a dramatic reading from Night Force, number one, page two, panel three. What she could see, she knew, had to be hallucinations. Unreal, inhuman, impossible. Hallucinations. He's beautiful. A perfect generation ten. And that was a dramatic reading from Night Force, number one. Page two, panel three. This book is so bad. He's <laughs> a generation ten. I'm glad. I'm glad he got it back, though. Oh, I know. Uh, this is the book that created the dramatic readings. Yeah, it was basically. Uh, remember the um, bros, uh, icing bros. It was basically our version of that, where uh, you would. You guys would hide Mike Force on me, and then I would stumble across it and be like, ah, why would you leave this here? This is a horrible book. Well, because we were going to make you read it for the dramatic reading, yeah. and we couldn't walk in with it. We needed to be like, oh, yeah, and this, and pull out from between the you know, the desk. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Read this, Paul. This is horrible. Unlike this beer. I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't uh, drank it. You haven't taken yet. a sip, but you said it's not. It's well, not yeah, I'll, I'll introduce it's, it so you can from, take yeah, a sip, Paul. It's uh, from okay. the brewery Omagang. We uh, already mentioned it was coming up on the show. This is Jomagang. This is a coffee ale brewed with cocoa nibs. So more and more cocoa nibs on here. Uh, this, again, is they want you to serve at about 50. So, you know, probably where we're at it right now. And it's 7.5 alcohol by volume. Uh, and this is what I expect from an Omegang beer. This yeah. is a Belgian beer brewed mm. with coffee. This is brewed with three different types of coffee. Um, espresso. Uh, uh, but it's, it's a nice, rich coffee, too. It's just right up front. You have that nice uh, Belgian spice on the back end. And the cocoa nib kind of just lingers on the side of your mouth. Like, But then at the end, you get that Belgian taste sweeping in, like... On the nose, it's coffee. And then you take that sip, you're like, oh, it's it's a coffee beer. But then I'm like, oh, wait, no, it it's definitely a Belgian. But it looks mouth- like a red. It looks it's, like it's, red. it's surprisingly light for... Um, in mouth of, mouthfeel, it tastes like a Belgian. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is brewed with espresso, uh, Sumatra, and uh, Papua New Guinea Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea. Yeah, it yeah it's it's good. I like it. Um Honestly, if they had done the same thing with the Nirvana, like if I got like that IPA and then mm-hmm. I get that Belgian like yeah. spice and yeast on the back end, I probably would have liked the Nirvana a little bit more. This though, it's it is what it is. It's it delivers what you expect from mm-hmm. Oma Gang. What's yeah. kind of crazy is it's got the nice tight little bubbles on it, and after drinking something that was so flat because it's you know coming from out. not a you know nitrous bottle. And everything, it's a stout, so it's going to be flatter. And then coming with this, it just dances on my tongue right now. And I think it's just because I'm so used to drinking that flat beer that we just had. Yeah. Uh, a very, very enjoyable beer. And mm-hmm. we had a coffee beer that was, we were expecting it to be a stout, but it was an ale. Mm-hmm. And we hated it. I forget what we had it from, but we had it probably about a month and a half ago. Was um, but but this is one that like we knew going in that it wasn't a, a stout, mm-hmm. and it delivers on everything that it's supposed to be. Yeah, uh, I reckon it was fourteen ninety nine for the bottle. 
It's a little, little high end, little yeah, pricier, yeah. but it's you're getting you you're getting what you're paying yeah, for. Yeah, you're getting quality, yeah. and uh, and that's that's what I expect. Uh, Nine ninety nine for a six pack IPA. Yeah, decent IPA. You know, decent price for a yeah. six pack for an IPA. Yeah, Flower exactly. Power is thirteen dollars. You know, it's for ten bucks for a six pack of an IPA from Omegang, who normally charges you way too much for a four pack. They charge like the same thing for a four pack, mm-hmm. you know, nine ninety nine, eleven ninety nine. But uh, no, I'm I, price points. I think were are perfectly matched for the beer that you're getting with these. Hmm. And you know, our comic books are always two ninety nine, if not three or four ninety nine. I have no idea what the price is. That going digital has messed me up with how much each book individually costs. I yeah. just go oof. When I buy my books at the end of the month, I honestly even when I feel like I'm buying a lot of books, like like and I go like mm-hmm. every week I pick up my books. I'm still only about twenty bucks a week, and a lot of the stuff I'm buying right now is because we're right literally in the middle of convergence, mm-hmm. and convergence is the newest DC crossover or event, if you want to call it that. Um, this is taking place over the months of April and May, while DC is moving their offices from New York City to Burbank, California. All of their editorial, writing, art staff, if they're not based somewhere else, are moving with the company to California. And this is kind of their placeholder Mm -hmm. event while everyone's packing up and moving their desks. Uh, And this is kind of what Secret Wars is going to be Mm -hmm. from Marvel Comics, where you have different multiverses coming into contest with each other, and what remains after the battle's over is the new status quo for the DC Universe. Um, What they did kind of cool, actually, is they have a weekly series telling the story of the Earth-2 characters fighting against Telos, who's almost like an avatar of Brainiac, Mm -hmm. who set all of this up, pitting the... Uh, worlds and timelines against each other. He, Telos is the sentient world that is able to mani- that came under Brainiac's pos- quote unquote like possession, uh, where Brainiac was storing all the bottled cities uh, from timelines that were ending. So your Flashpoint world he was able to pull out gotham city from there uh he was able to pull metropolis out from uh the end of zero hour any kind of different kind of timeline or continuity that dc's ever had yeah like elseworlds Mm -hmm. and also all the different 52 dimensions i guess that are out there now somewhat live have a bottled city on this world of telos who is the sentient caretaker and the main series itself is being written by Scott Liddell and Jeff King. Scott Liddell, we know from writing X-Men in the 90s. He's also done Red Hood and the Outlaws. Super Superman. Superman. Mm-hmm. He did Supergirl for a bit. Superboy. He's writing all the Superman Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that I'm saying, it's like, actually, he did like three months where he wrote everything Superman. Um, Jeff King actually, I believe, handled, he was a, a TV show writer. Yeah, yeah, he was a showrunner. I'm, I'm blanking out on what show he did now because I looked him up. It's okay, but uh, it was it wasn't under the dome. No, but <laughs> you would think so because that's that's basically every other than the uh, Convergence Zero. Every book starts off the same way, where you're reading these characters that are now living in a bottled city 
but they're calling it under a dome and they're just trying to find a way out or make do in the world, the city that is trying to get by mm. while being cut off from the rest of the world. They don't know where they are. All they know is there's a dome energy field that they can't break out of that is trapped down there. And while they are living under this dome, if you are a metahuman or you have superpowers, you no longer yeah. have those abilities. Um, so it's almost like a no man's land type situation where mm-hmm. superheroes are still trying to do what they can do to keep the peace and mm-hmm. keep things from getting too chaotic. And some heroes we see have less effect of that than others because, you know, uh, Blue Beetle, you know, just puts on this Blue Beetle suit and goes around in his Blue Beetle uh, thing and does his Blue Beetle thing. And Batman, same thing. But, you know, we see what I really liked was the Justice Society book because it was like just old men just talking about how old they have gotten in the blink of an eye because they lost their powers before you know and they talk about it and it was fun and it was cute it was you know the day in the life kind of story that i really enjoyed but unfortunately it was also about this stupid dome (laughs) but it had a lot more that one had a lot more heart yeah and it was you know the old guys coming back together and being like, hey, we can be young one again more time. one more time. But this is it. This if is... we do this, if we agree, our li- we'll burn bright for the sh- for a shining moment, but we will be written out of existence after this. Like, we will no longer exist. And it's not just death. This is a price higher than death. And there was there was no choice for them. No, they're like, boys, one more time. Those boys burn bright. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's been a interesting hit or miss with these books. Some of the books that I picked up from Convergence, I thought that I was really going to like. I ended up not liking the ones that I was like, I'll grab this one, but I don't know why I'm spending this money. Are the ones that I'm like, okay, I really like this one. Just a society being one of Oh, really? You like... I'm like... Chris, don't that, bother. No, that, I was going to say that when you that described was, it to me, I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a Paul book. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Chris, you probably wouldn't like it. I'm surprised John picked it up and, and John, I'm surprised you liked it. I, I liked just... everything about <laughs> it. It was, it was a nice kind of day in the life of these guys mm-hmm. who were once the heroes mm-hmm. who have now had that moment where they're not. They're not doing well. They're mm-hmm. all old. But they're still doing what they can. Like, they're running a community roof gardens to just try to get people fed. Because they're like, no, this might be the new status quo. Yeah. We don't know how Pancake long breakfast. it's Yeah. We don't know how, yeah, we're going to feed the people. Because that's, we don't have powers, but at least we can do this. Yeah. You know, and that's what they're going to do. And they're like, no, it's time for the young ones, you know, infinity to take over. And Go ahead, try to f- solve that problem right now. We're going to focus on the problems we can solve. Yeah, and it was a good. It was a good <laughs> read. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Hmm. Uh, the other two that I really enjoyed was the question. Yep. Yeah. And the Shazam one. Oh, I didn't read the Shazam one. And the Shazam one started out a little slow, but then it just got rolling so good. Mm-hmm. And the look of the book was great. Uh, just the the feel of that family book between, you know, Mary, Billy, uh, the blue one was the what's Marvel boy, Marvel boy. Bill what's his first name? Oh, Freddie. Freddie. Uh, Mr. Tawny shows up like Talkie Tawny. Yeah, and he's not Mister Talkie. 
Uh, they call him Mister, and oh, really? he is badass. Uh, well, anytime he shows up, it's kind of badass. <laughs> but I mean, you have him. They have him fighting, you know, Salva. And did he have a other... rocket power rocket suit? No, rocket he's, he's, he shows up like wearing a cool like twenties suit with a bow tie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, double breasted. But then normally he then has a jetpack also. No, he's just oh. strangling dudes. It's wow. cool. <laughs> uh, but you have him fighting other villains. Um, from um, Shazam's past that are characters that I don't know, but it was a great breed. It was a lot of fun, and it's like, oh, one of these, if I'm going to pick up a number two, I'm picking up number two of Shazam. Now, if I was going to be picking up a number two, and there's probably a couple here that I will be, it would be the question. You have Greg Rucka and Raphael Albuquerque back on the book that they actually kind of spearheaded and reading that it was fantastic Renee Mon- J.H. Williams III started that right with Detective or was it J- was it Albuquerque really I'm, yeah they I'm, uh, I'm sorry yeah they did the question backup and I can't it was, oh, in, right. it was in the back of Detective right. Comics I think right the backups of, um, yeah. but it was just like going home again because you have that relationship between Renee Montoya and Harvey Dent and I've been loving that dynamic ever since they ran into each other during the Batman No Man's Land crossover. And you had the exact same situation with some thugs trying to rob a convenience store. Mm-hmm. And the two of them just kind of pop in there. And just how they work together, it both avatars of the law in one way or another. It was going home again. I love that book. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's in my top three of these books. And that's... I, I hate the fact that that's one that I kind of passed on because I was like, well, I was trying to like trim back because I was like, well, I'm going to have to buy Green Arrow and Green Lantern and Batgirl. And that's that's what's nice about, like, especially like you and me is I know that, okay, Chris is going to grab these. I can see what he's buying. Mm-hmm. These are the ones that I buy, and we're going to share them. We're going to read both of them. So and, we get almost all the books. And this is one that you bought, but I'm going to like look over to Paul quick. Did you get a chance to read Speed Force? Yes, I did. Okay. It, what, are, what are your thoughts? Because you are the Flash fan here. I, I did enjoy that it was Barry back as a family, and I didn't... Wally. Wally, yeah, not Barry. But, uh, I didn't, re- I didn't read the Flash one. I'm sorry. Well, well, I picked it up, didn't I? I Speed Force. So. It was uh, Wally in search of what, who he thinks is Barry because he senses like just a disturbance in the Speed Force. Uh, and he's running to Gotham because there's something wrong there with his kids. Because he's like, you know what, you're, I kind of need to see you in within the Speed Force more to kind of gauge your powers and everything like that. And of course, that's when the wall drops uh, and they're now away. And now he has to worry about his kids that are trapped away from his family. Who are like literally along for the ride at that mm-hmm. point because they're being dragged in his wake. And uh, they're not supposed to tell mom that he's taking him with him. Mm-hmm. And now they're trapped for almost a full year in the city, and he can only imagine uh, how Linda must think they're all dead. And he he's afraid of the consequences of getting back home, but he desperately wants to get back home. And then when the barrier finally goes back up and he has to be it again, he's like, well, I'm not going to play by this demigod's rules. I'm going to go find the other speedsters. I'm going to find my house, you know, my home and team up with the other speedsters. Unfortunately, he quickly loses sight of that the whole thing and it's up to uh flashback 
right? Fastback or? Yeah, I think it's Fastback. It's the turtle. The turtle from uh, the zoo crew to remind them, no, no, this is what we actually want to do. We want to get all the speedsters together, and we can handle this situation real quick. Which I actually, I like that, though, because whenever something goes down in the DC universe, Mm -hmm. it's kind of always on the speedsters. They're they're the linchpin for it. Yeah, but whether it's Final Crisis, mm -hmm. Flashpoint, Infinite Crisis, or... Christ on infinite earth, it all boils down to a flash. What's and, interesting is you're saying that, and in the other book, uh, Booster Gold, we kind of see the older Booster Gold playing that flash role where he's showing up in each different universe, and it's kind of like the flash from, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, where he's like this, no, it's all gonna go wrong, and then he's gone again. And, and he's like, I actually really enjoyed Booster Gold more than I thought I was. And it might be because Booster Gold was actually written by Dan Jurgens, who created the character. But seeing Booster Gold, Skeets, and Rip Hunter kind of in this world, and they have the ability to like get into the domes because they're made to keep people in, not out, just to investigate what's going on. This is the book that I liked when it was coming out before. Mm-hmm. Them jumping through time periods and the different universes. And I missed it and I didn't realize it until I actually read this. And I was like, man, Booster Gold's still cool. Yeah. Every time I dip my toe back in, I'm just reminded of that. I was like, why, why do I drop off these books? Why don't I keep mm-hmm. reading them? Cause it's, it's not, a, not every story arc holds up. Yeah. And also it kind of gets within it's, it goes in a circle where it's kind of like, oh, no, I've kind of read the story already. And I've Booster been, Gold out of time. I've been rereading 52. And I've just like, oh yeah, you know, like, it's already like, oh yeah, this book. I kind of know all about this book. Mm-hmm. I'm reading 52. But it is fun to see the two, the two, and just how crazy, yeah. how 50, crazy madcap their world is. 52 was like six years ago now. Yeah. I think longer than that. Uh, I don't want to, I'm, I have it right up there. I'm going to look. Uh, you guys talk. Are there any other books that we really enjoyed? I'm I'm sorry to say that like the Batgirl, the Nightwing ones, didn't really do it for me. Yeah, I I actually I enjoyed reading the Superboy one and the Green Arrow one, but the rest of the ones that I was actually looking forward to, like Batgirl, uh, the new Titans one was, it was on the cusp of being good, but I was kind of let down, especially from the Nightwing Oracle one written by Gail Simone. Yeah, um, and. Some of these books look great, and like the the Batgirl one, the art was heavily sketchy. It didn't fit the book. And the Batgirl one was the first one that I read because it was the one that I was probably the most excited for because I love me some Stephanie Brown. And a couple weeks ago on the show when I said, it's like you're reading the book that you want to read with the characters there, but there's no heart to it. That sums up most of the Convergence books, but Batgirl in specific, because you're back to the Stephanie Brown who's unsure of herself and not knowing, which by the time that series ended, she was Batgirl. It wasn't someone being Batgirl. It was someone learning and realizing who she was as Batgirl. And to have all that swept under the rug, and then you have uh, Red Robin and Cassie Kane, Black Bat, there along with her being like, nope, hands off. You're this world's champion. Like, we'll pal around, but we're not going to do anything. 
kind of just undercut those characters for me too. And those are characters that I love. Yeah, it was it was hard not having the heart from the characters that are the heart. Um, uh, actually, I I forgot about this one. The Blue Beetle one I like too. The Blue Beetle, yeah, that was kind of on the fence of if it's so eighties. It it is, and that's not my comic book style at all. But after I got past maybe like the first like six seven pages, I kind of started to enjoy it. More. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's an interesting read. It is better than the other books because. It's like, oh, we got a, the right creative team on it with the right artists. And a lot of these books, I think, suffered from the art. Uh, one of the books I actually liked the artwork for was the Batman Shadow of the Bat from uh, Philip Tan, but written by Larry Hammond, the guy behind a lot of the G.I. Joe books. I was trying to read a Asbats book that really wasn't an Asbats book. And I say Asbats because it's the 90s Ezreal as Batman. But Batman alongside of him. It just... So he's an agent of the Bat. He <clears throat> wished to be. <laughs> uh, oh, it's, John Paul Valley. I, I still hold out for a, a solid Asriel book someday. Mm. And it, That's it, your Uncanny Valley. <laughs> That's your Uncanny John Paul Valley. It was tough. Even the Titans book. That was like really, that one I was kind of hoping good things about. Because uh, I always was, liked Dick Grayson and Starfire together. Well, that was the that's the new Titans one. I oh. think about the Titans where it's actually Donna Troy. Arsenal. Oh, Titan. Okay. It's almost outsiders. Almost outsiders, and this is one that was just lacking because the artwork wasn't there to support it. <laughs> but that's kind of convergence. But then, but then you get. You know, the, like that twist Trump. where the villains actually have Leanne, oh, Roy okay. Harper's daughter. They were able to find a living version of her, and they want Arsenal oh, on their side, no. so he turns against so the, it's, the Titans. So it's after Outsiders. The, it's this, this it's is, the fall and rise of the Green and Red Arrow. Yeah, this is uh, him like lacking the crying arm. for justice version Ugh. yeah if you don't know what any of that means good, yeah, good. i'm happy for you, <laughs> you don't welcome. go back don't go back I, conversion as a whole i do want to sum up or was there another one you wanted to talk about because i saw you bring up when to show paul oh i no, i was just showing him the shazam uh he wasn't wearing a bow tie sir so it doesn't count hockey con tawny is a bow tie he's badass though. because bow ties are cool i know that's the one actually i was going to read next but then my tablet started to die so i had to plug it in and i started just dicking around online it, it's uh definitely fan service event it, it feels less cool than 50 i i think it's just unfair to 52 nine years old by the way started uh back in 2006 went to 2007 making me feel really old um man that's such a great series and that reset the universe in such in a cool way, uh, coming out of what was it, uh, Infinite Crisis? Infinite Crisis, yeah. yeah. No, not Infinite Crisis, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, Final Crisis is the one I'm thinking. Yeah, because Fifty Two took place during the one, one year, year later, later that was after Infinite, Infinite Crisis. Crisis. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it, it feels fan surfacey, but that's okay. 
it, you can do that every once in a great while and get away with it. I'm just, I wish these were all kind of one shots, one and nuns. And no, it's now this month coming up in May. Uh, we're getting number two of a lot of these. And just kind of on that note, I'm surprised by the number twos that I will be buying versus the ones that I'm not. Cause the one, like all the books that I was excited for that number one, I probably won't be picking up number two. I've, I probably picked up eight, maybe nine of these books somewhere in there. I was probably around there, maybe a little bit less. Yeah, I'm just trying to guess because I, I don't, I have so many I, on I my, I have so many on my tablet, but some you bought, some I bought, so I don't exactly remember what, but I'm probably gonna, I bought, I bought nine of them. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's about. Yeah. Right? Uh, I'm probably going to be continuing maybe three, maybe four. Um, cause you, you're right. That Blue Beetle one is pretty good, but I know I'm going to do the Shazam. I know I'm going to do the Justice Society and I'm going to do the question. Blue Beetle's a maybe, the Booster Gold's a maybe. It depends what I'm buying that week. If I'm only buying yeah. like two books and that book's out, okay, maybe. I, I will probably wind up buying the Superboy and Green Arrow. The one that I'm on the fence about is Batgirl. Just because I, I didn't like the book, but I have that affinity towards the characters that are in there. Are you, if you're not getting Question or Speed Force, I will gladly pick those up though. Then yeah, get Speed Force. I, I will be getting Question and Speed Force. I'll get Speed I, Force. I said Speed Force. I'm definitely buying Question. I'll get okay. Speed Force. Question, Shazam, and uh, Justice Society were the books that I oh, was going I, to I continue would. on. Um, and you know what though? I loved how it just ended there where it's like they're ready for the one more fight. I'm good there. Like, you know what? What with the Shazam? No, no, with the Justice Society. <laughs> they all ended with that like Yeah, well, no, let's no. Go. But that was a real heroic moment. Like we're in one more time into the breach, my friends. I, I that's think it. it and that's I'm like end it there because that is yeah they because all... convergence the main series should answer that question of what where their fate lies. But they all kind of had like what you said, where it was like that day in the life of mm-hmm. where they've all been existing under the dome for about a year now. Mm-hmm. And then they all have that moment where Telos is, Hey, guess what? Yeah. You're all going to have to fight. Everybody else scrolled through get, those and, panels real quick, right? Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I know this word, these words. Yep. Let's and, go. and then you get like the page of everyone being like, what? We're going to have to fight other heroes. Yeah. I, I did the same thing after like I read the third one. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while it would change and it would be like, instead of your defenders, it would be your saviors and your hero, you know, they would I, change the word I don't a little rem- bit. I don't remember which book it was. It might have been Booster Gold where instead of just having the blue word balloon mm-hmm. saying everything, they had the manifestation yeah, appear yeah. out of the earth. Atelos? I, I think that was uh, Blue Beetle. That was Blue, Blue Beetle. Beetle. Yep. I like that because it played into him being that and the manipulator. Yeah, which you like got part him. of that planet. Like I, I like that instead of just the disembodied voice. Mm-hmm. You get that in you know Convergence Number Zero. Yeah. Which I, I don't mind buying the main series because it has those characters from Earth 2 that I liked. And I'm kind of regretting not keeping on that book or at least even reading the weekly series that they had. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know the name of the... Future's World's End. End. No, no, that's World's End. It was World's End. Future's End is the one that like Booster Gold almost is like spinning out of. Okay. 
I don't. Yeah, because I know that was. So they had three weekly series going yeah, on. Yeah. Wow. I think there was supposed to be like another one too that just didn't develop. Nice for them. No wonder Marvel was like, let's do Wolverine's weekly <laughs> series. Not talking about Marvel. We got uh, Uncanny Inhumans number zero. And we have some breaking news for everybody. Uh, we're getting our first look over at comicbook.com uh, of the Suicide Squad. They the, have a. The official Suicide Squad from uh, the upcoming 2016 David Ayer movie. And uh, this feature centers in on Rick Flagg and Harley Quinn, along with Deadshot, uh, Killer Croc, who we're guessing is the Tattooed Man, Katana, uh, Enchantress, Captain Boomerang, and some dude. And dude. <laughs> so it's a Suicide Squad movie, and uh, they're taking a picture in front of a sign that says, Welcome to Belle Reve. So there you go. They were all in that prison, or were guards at the prison, I guess. I... Not pictured. Jared Leto as the Joker and Amanda Waller. Which I'm surprised we're not getting Amanda Waller. Um, She's taking the picture. Who do you think is taking this picture? (laughs) Um, Just like first thoughts, I really like the Harley Quinn. It seems more based off of the Arkham Asylum games and what we're getting in the new 52 Harley Quinn. Mm -hmm. Um, We got pictures of Will Smith as Deadshot earlier this week, which really didn't yeah, it's just him Hit in like me. a suit. Yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. it's him like off job almost. But I actually I like this really? yeah, more armored like sniper look. Uh armored sniper look, but okay, I can't good. have I can't have dead shot without a target eye, right? Well, yeah, and also he looks like he's ready more so for paintball than going to war on the city streets. Wait, also everyone has more of a kind of realistic urban kind of look, and then him is like Hey, I just got from back from playing paintball. Yeah, or, I, no, hey, I, I just walked out of the game Doom. You want to shoot some stuff, guys? I buy him as a mercenary, though. And I think he might not be an actual member of the Suicide Squad, just based off of what we've seen in those previous pictures of him. Like He might just be someone that's along for the ride. I think they're just overall trying too hard to be looking gritty, like when, especially when Captain Boomerang has just duct tape. Just duct tape around just his duct leg. Tape around well, one of his boots, just because. And know. it looks like he's got like a jogging jacket with mm-hmm. a leather jacket over it. Yeah, I do like that he's got the mutton chops, but he's got like mutton chops, but then the side of his head's shaved. And also, uh, That's the he thing has like do, and I don't understand. He it. almost has like uh, eye bags like shadowed in. Like it's kind of like they're all looking. Enchantress looks super creepy, and I do kind of like. The look of her. Like, if I, I'm going to get Enchantress, give me super fucking creepy. It makes me think Voodoo Priestess, yeah. which I kind of like, because we don't have... She's like Diablo 3, yeah. like the, uh, yeah, the Voodoo, the, uh, what was it, what was that class of character called? Uh, uh, the Witch Doctor. The Witch Doctor, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, just talking about Killer Croc for a second, I like that he's a big, beefy looking dude. But he's not head and shoulders above everybody, and I was hoping more of a, but like a... Do you want? Are you looking for the Jim Lee? Like I'm super huge. I'm looking. Yeah, I'm kind of super huge. Will Smith is a tall guy. The guy playing uh, Rick Flagg is a tall dude, and he is just a little bit taller than that. Yeah, I I was kind of hoping Killer Croc to be almost like CGI'd, a superhero in like uh, proportions, almost eight foot or something, like a real. Like something yeah, where Batman has to like he stands up to Batman and Batman has to look up and like he's going to be cut like 
a normal punch is just going to go right into his stomach. See, I don't mind this croc. Is huge. I don't mind this killer croc because killer croc yeah. was just like a gang enforcer with a skin condition. Like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. And here. tattooed man is a character nobody cares about. And this is something that we kind of talked about. Uh, as soon as we saw the picture. Because we he, can't help de- it. He's definitely going to be a dude that dies. We're like, oh, we'll get our first reaction to this on the show. I'm just going to pull up the picture right now. And then we just stood around for five minutes <laughs> talking about the picture before hitting, re- sitting back down and hitting record. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, you said you liked the look of, uh, Harley Quinn. I think, you know, there's going to be, might be some backlash here where she looks a little too cheerleader and not scary or menacing. But that's what people like about okay. Harley Quinn, though. Like, she's that fun, bouncy And here's persona. the thing is, are these more criminal, mercenary types brought together, or are these superheroes villains? Because mm-hmm. we don't have... We have Superman. We have Man of Steel. That is the movie yeah. for this world. We have what looks with, with Batman versus Superman, which looks like a world where there aren't crazy costumed people running around Mm -hmm. and this is a group of people that aren't crazy costumed they're crazy cosplayed well yeah a little bit they're they're in g cosplayers that went to uh salvation army to get their wardrobe i I do like the katana look a lot (laughs) yeah i don't think anybody can wear that mask and look like it, it, it fits. It works on a comic book mm-hmm. page, but when you put it on somebody's face in real life, you're kind of like, oh, okay. Well, we have this, but then we also have Katana appearing, like on the upcoming episodes of Arrow, and and that's when I had that idea, like mm, something don't d- work. It just doesn't work. But here, it looks a lot better. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like she's welding. Like in Arrow, the <laughs> the mask it looks like it's just covering way too much of the face. It's like too plasticky. Even though we haven't actually seen it in in the show yet, it's just yeah. been like a couple like screenshots. Yeah, almost. but her look here it, it reminds me more of like a fan made uh, YouTube video of Kabuki from David Mack than an actual full release Warner Brothers. Like we're putting a lot of money behind this summer movie blockbuster. No, I, I, I'm a little worried about this movie, and I'm worried about the DC whole world building thing right now, because it does seem like they're just trying to ground themselves. And it's, it's so weird. It's DC, the characters that are so iconic that they're now trying to ground in the real world, where Marvel, you know, in the comic books was always like, most of their stories were like the slice of life kind of stuff, and then they would have these big events, and their cinematic universe is larger than life. They went like, no, we're going freaking out of space with Guardians of the Galaxy, and we're doing Thanos now. We're going to go huge and big. And DC, who I would think would be the that kind of realm, <laughs> the huge and big, like, no, this is Superman fighting Brainiac and Doomsday. This is, mm. this is where they're going. They're going with... Street punks. I, uh, I, I'm gonna say uh, with uh, Harley Quinn named Desire. I'm gonna say this. I I'm looking forward to this movie a little bit more now. This makes me think we might be getting a kind of more crazy, fun, almost like Guy Ritchie esque. 
over the top action. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be like crazy gritty action, but with a sense of humor okay. about it. If the first trailer comes out and the opening stinger music is, I'll be right in. <laughs> but if they go, well, they just have those sound effects. Exactly. I'll be like, but, no, they're going dark and gritty, and I don't want those to do are that like right the now. sound effects and the music that sell movies now. Like you need to be dark and gritty. Like, uh, or you could do Guardians of the Galaxy and give me the stupid '80s classical music that nobody's heard of, and then go on to iTunes and everybody buys it the next day. True. So then that's that's the thing. DC should be doing that. That's what DC is all about. They're bigger, larger than life. Why are you giving me street level? DC? That's... And why is Marvel the street level people? What? Like, people oh. can't see this, but Paul becomes Lewis Black, like, with his generous... Hey, the frog! Shaking hands. Yay! Give it up for the Lewis guys want. Oh, it just drives me crazy. Paul, take a drink. I know, I should just, Paul, I need to not, calm down. Paul, you're Lewis no, Black no, when you're really, thirsty. Really, take you a need drink. to take a drink of this, because this is, uh, why didn't we have this when we were in Michigan with you? Well, here's the thing, I didn't know about Whoa. this. Whoa! <laughs> Alright, I didn't know about this brewery before I picked this beer up, and this is, uh... If the, the first words out of your mouth isn't coconut, I'm gonna slap you. Well, no, this is Fifth Voyage Coconut Porter. <laughs> okay. So it was in there. It was in the first three. Uh, from Cranker's Brewery in Big Rapids, Michigan, which is apparently 20 minutes away from Lexi's mom's house because she just happened to stop by there to get lunch the I'm other gonna, day. I'm going to have Kate take a sip. Because, because she, she found out that this was – we like we tried this before I came here because it was a six-pack. We opened up two bottles just to have while we were uh, eating dinner one night. So she went there because she was like, oh – that, that's the place we just had the beer from. And she said their food's really good and they have awesome beers. And it's just like a small little hole in the wall place. It's like a satellite location almost. Um, this beer is just this wonderful balanced porter with this coconut pop. And I'm not like coconut flavoring. I usually just hate shredded coconut. Mm. I don't like, but this has got that. Perfect blend of this coconutty porter beer taste that is just you take a sip and like my eyes roll back into my head and I'm like, oh my god, this is the greatest. When I took my first sip of this when I opened up the bottle, I was like, Oh, it's it's just a porter. Oh, there's coconut. Ooh. <laughs> there's like it just it kind of just like rolls across the back of your tongue and then you get that nice like the richness and the nutty. It it, it's wonderful. Yeah, and it's not a, you know, like John was saying, it's not a fake, shredded, like, bad coconut. This is like, I just bit into the fleshy part of that coconut that I spent way too long trying to crack. And I'm kind of <laughs> frustrated, but you know what? And then I go, oh yeah, this, this is, is why, why I, I spent all that time. <laughs> and now I can just crack open this beer and <laughs> instead. And it's way better because mm-hmm. it's a porter as well. Because you get like right now mm-hmm. that sweetness is linger is going away, yeah. and the lingering taste is a smoky porter. Yeah, it's just, it's it's really man. Yeah, so this is I, worth the voyages one through four just to get to fifth. All right, like I said before, uh, we we had taken our pause before we saw the Suicide Squad news. Sorry, I have the hiccups. Um, I was gonna let you guys fight over the remaining coconut porter and milkshake stout. Secret Wars slash Convergence style. 
So and Paul, what did I come up with? Just sharing them later on together. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to share. Them. You could do that. We're, okay. we're going to go Speed Force style. We're going to team up and take these two on together, friend style. Oh, they high fived. Mm-hmm. And John never high fives, but he'll high five over this. Right. I will high five over this and people's birthdays. And when it comes to taking on stuff, I want to see just a crazy, oh, powerful, is- inhuman taking on an archer. Uh, I grabbed this because it was Uncanny Inhumans number zero, written by Charles Soul. Charles Soul and art by Steve McNiven. Yeah. And I said, all right, you got me. I'll try out your zero issue. And gosh darn, was I satisfied with this oh, book. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Uh, I'm always worried how you're going <laughs> to. How are you going to write a main character? That doesn't speak. Mm-hmm. You write him as a complete badass. Is how <laughs> your question has been answered. Uh, yeah, and they do this, and I think half of the reason this book works is because of Steve McNiven's art. Like, just mm-hmm. I just stopped at this page with Medusa, and her yeah. hair is everywhere, and Black Bolt's not saying anything, and the book just. Works, And I think this book speaks both of what Charles Soule and Steve McNiven can do as storytellers. Because there's just like those panels of Black Bolt grabbing the locket from around her neck and neck and holding it up with like the picture being like, mm-hmm. of her song. Come like, on. like I'm trying to find him. This is why I need to use this portal. And nothing will stand in my way. And if they do, I will just open up my mouth and whisper and like knock the shit out of someone. <laughs> and when I'm gonna, and when he comes across the castle in the middle of the desert that has like German soldiers, Indians, archers, uh, archers from the yeah, 14th like, century, he has yeah. no, France. he has yeah. no problem just saying goodbye and destroying a column of people. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, open and blasting open a door and i was Who to be there were you floored yeah, yeah i was like oh shit i should have known it was going to be kang when he's got a castle protected by all these people from history mm-hmm. makes sense it, and at that moment i was just like oh this makes me miss what young avengers was not that i dislike what it became but you love the- you miss young iron Lad? Uh, yeah, like where it was like the like Kang before he was evil. Like he, I, I liked that. He picked like Vision. Yeah. For uh, yeah. for his team last week. It's, Vision. It's a fantastic. I picked book. Medusa, who's badass in this. <laughs> no, her hair looks. Her badass. hair is badass. Uh, but did she not just stand up to a badass person that could have whispered and annihilated her? Yes, she stands her own against Black Bolt. I don't know, this made me realize that, okay, you know what, the Inhumans can work as a movie. Like, it's as crazy as this is, mm-hmm. they, if they can bring the gravity of just Black Bolt standing there over, like, a dude, it's, they, they can make it work. Yeah, because it's the weird royals, a weird family tale of a royal family with superpowers. And the stresses and uh, that come with it, and this is basically a story about a father who has done everything for his son, 
Except to be there for him almost. Because he couldn't be, yeah, except be there for him because he couldn't be, you know, and it's one of those things where he, he knows that he has to be hated by his son because it's the only place left for him now. And he will do that because it protects him. It, I, I do want to say this. John, you brought this book to us. I didn't know about this book before I started to read it. So it wasn't until I actually started flipping through it that I was like, oh, is this Steve McNiven? <laughs> Who's writing this? Charles Soule. I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Of course. I didn't read the backup thing. I don't uh, know who it did it or what it, it was. Good. Um, oh, written by Ryan Stegman. He did all the Spider-Man, like the superior Spider-Man that I loved. Mm-hmm. He's not doing the art. He just, he wrote it with Ryan Lee handling pencils. Um but. I, the only thing about this book that's been annoying to me is Uncanny Inhumans number one hasn't come out yet. Uh, <laughs> that was going to be my question is, are you going to be picking up Uncanny Inhumans? If, if it's Soleil and McNiven on art, I will. I think as soon as McNiven drops off, I think the book will drop off. Um, so probably around issue four, issue five... <laughs> When he's like, eh, I don't want to draw this anymore, or whatever happens with McNiven. Or if he gets pulled over to a bigger, yeah, different book. Well, with McNiven on art, I think we know why we haven't seen the actual issue number one yet. Um, well, the, well, I, McNiven can draw quick, man. He can get double shipped quite a bit, and, you know. But he has lead of time but for it, though. The other Inhumans books are still going on, so I think you're going to get Uncanny Inhumans. After Secret Wars. But with the, yeah. yeah, But I don't understand why I would get the the zero zero issue now when all the other uncanny. Because they can give you that, like, what's going to come up next. Well, the problem is, they can tease you. The zero issue is, I don't know what the book is. Is it going to follow Black Bolt? Is Is it it going to follow. follow, I I think it's going to follow his son more. His son, Atlantean? Atlantean? And then, like, the people that are, like, or going... Medusa and the rest of the Inhumans? Or is it the people that, like, in the backup, where it's the people that were waking up by the Tetragon Mist? Tetragon Mist Bomb. You know, it's a zero issue, so it could go anywhere. And I have no idea where it would go. I, I, I want to see where it goes. Like, that's my yeah, thinking I, point. I, every, every week I look to see if Uncanny... Uncanny Inhumans... Number one is coming out, and it isn't, and it's very upsetting. But I know that next week we can look forward to issue two of another Marvel book. Uh, how do we uh, figure out how to pronounce it? Canaan. Canaan. Like the, the biblical Padawan. city. Oh, okay. Canaan, the last Padawan. This is from Marvel Comics, and I forgot who's writing it. Uh, this but is actually I love this writer. Yeah, this is written by Greg Wiseman, who did the. Young Justice cartoon series. He's also working over on Star Wars Rebels right now, which Kanan's kind of spinning out of. Mm -hmm. But uh, most notably for me, he is the creator of Disney's Gargoyles. Oh! Yeah. (laughs) So when is Macbeth going to show up in this for no reason? Or Puck. Puck was my favorite character out of there. Well, he was a trickster and yeah. he had rules, very set rules to, for what governed him too, which I really loved. Because if you know me in Mystics... I want set you love, you love rules. magic rules. Uh, this follows uh, Kanan uh, going on a mission with the rebels, and then suddenly having like these memory flashbacks to 
when he was under the tutelage of his uh, Jedi Master. Fifteen years prior to where Rebels, the cartoon, is happening. And this is right before uh, Revenge of the Sith with Order 66. Mm -hmm. And that's actually kind of the cliffhanger at the end of this issue. Spoilers, always in effect when you listen to our monthly look back. But uh, the order's just been issued. Yeah, on the last page of the last panel. (laughs) And I love just how the Jedi culture and history Mm -hmm. exists. And I like that you get to see that in this with his master, whose name I'm forgetting. But it's not a thing for her to be like, all right, stop. We're going to practice our stances now. Mm-hmm. What What's amazing to me is, like, they mention, and I'm like, oh, man, I had that bad of a Star Wars nerd where I just don't know this person because they mentioned a couple things with her. Like, oh, she just came out of, well, whatever she came out of. Like, she was in this, like, deep trance or something. I don't know. And there was a reason she went into that deep trance. She's, like, questioning everything. And it's Master Deepa Bilaba. Oh, Star Wars <laughs> but he, he actually takes a he has a different name here because he takes when he goes to Canaan uh, that's actually a taken name when he goes underground after Order 66 he's right now is Caleb Dome uh, so right now he's living underneath the dome name and <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you and uh, the look, like, as an... Tie into Convergence. Mm. I'm sorry. He kind of wears what? his It hair. even has the dome pattern. Yeah, <laughs> the honeycomb dome. That honeycomb dome. Uh, the talking to the general. His adult look is kind of like his master's hairstyle kind of look, where it's pulled back with a couple little mm-hmm. ponytails coming off the side. Um, our Pepe Larraz. I, mm. I like this book a lot. Yeah. Uh, I have to say... This might be my favorite Star Wars book that of the wow, four no, that have it's, come out. It's really good. You and like you like this more than uh, Middle Management Vader? Yeah, Vader. <laughs> I love it just because it's I so st- funny. I still just, like Vader, but uh, I think Marvel is putting a lot behind this book with bringing in actual creators from the show. Mm-hmm. You have Star Wars, Darth Vader. Princess Leia. Those are the three top tier Star Wars books. And then number four, they come out with, boom. Kanan, the last Padawan. A character, if you don't watch Star Wars Rebels, you don't know of. Which we don't. Which we don't. And And, yeah, I didn't even realize that this is a character from that cartoon until you showed me the clips. And then we're like, oh yeah, I'm looking up trying to find out how to say his name. And what do we have for Star Wars book number five coming out? Announced at Star Wars Celebration. Oh, I'm hoping it's BB-8. No, it's Lando, Lando Calrissian, oh. written by Charles Soule. Oh, that'll be good. But you not have... Not BB-8. Not BB-8. He might appear. I don't know. Oh, I would hope so. But this is that character that Marvel's throwing out there. It's like, no, check this out. And I don't know if it's on Disney's end. We're like, no, get people watching this cartoon, put out this comic book. But reading this book made me want to... Watch Star Wars Rebels. Uh, watching those clips made me want to watch yeah, Star Wars Rebels. It was like five minutes of just lightsaber duels. Yeah, it was really good. Um, but what I like about this is where this book is going to be going. It's a Jedi, a, a child Jedi mm-hmm. in training going to be going underground. Mm-hmm. And that is interesting. How do you hide that? How do you evolve as that person who is that character that we now see in that yeah. Republic show? Who 
feels like he's finally found his place in the universe because he's in the middle of a war. And that's what he's talking about. And then how does he extract himself from the fight and then refine a place? Or will he always feel out of place? And, yeah, I'm assuming that's how it is in Rebels where he... He's now... We, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. We have watched know. it, but it, I'd like to know the answer. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, he's working as a smuggler, apparently, in Rebels, and... Has a pad one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Based off those clips that we watched. Who has a lightsaber gun? Yeah. Well, he trades in his pistol, his lightsaber for a pistol, because he goes completely underground, apparently, in Rebels, so... Maybe they were able to figure out the best of both worlds. I know, but it's cool. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's, like, running at, like, the Sith, like, shooting him. And then, like, they got, he's, like, going blade to blade with him. Hmm. It, look, it, it looks sweet. Really and cool. congratulations, Marvel, on selling me on not just a character, but a, like, cartoon franchise that I didn't really have a lot of interest in beforehand. Uh, I didn't even know we were going to be picking this up. This is like one of the only books. This, hey, this I is won. A, this Paul is a Paul buy. Uh, this in that Red Six or whatever. Red One. Red One. Did you read that? It's not that good. Yeah, it's not that good. It's not that good. Art's nice. Dobson, yeah. yeah. It's cute. cute. It's Terry Dobson art. Like... Looking girl, you know. Yeah, that wasn't a very good book. No. No. I read that today. Cause I, good, like, uh, I don't uh, know if I'm going to show you... up and they're going to be like, well, let's do Red One. I'm no, like, because that came out. Before, no, that I came out April 1st. April 1st? Oh, well, oh April they got gotcha. you. Fools on me. But hey, oh, at least at least you got Kanan. So do yeah. we want to do power rankings? I will do like convergence as a whole instead of just like mm. spinoffs and like series. I really, really liked uh, Uncanny. Are we talking about the beer or the comics? Because what, I mean, we have Inhumans versus... Yeah, Uncanny Inhumans, <laughs> Kanan, neck and neck. Yeah, like I like that was I, overtime shootout. Like that, I, I like them. I like them both. I would mm-hmm. put them both in the number one spot, but for completely different reasons. They're completely yeah. different books. There they was hit a, me for completely yeah. different reasons. There's a referee call that you're not sure it should have went that way, and Uncanny Inhuman yeah, won. Well, but you know, there's I, some gray gonna, area there. I'm gonna pose this how I always pose it. You can only buy one. I can only buy which, one. Which one? Like you only have four dollars. And both of these books are on the shelf. Which one? Uh, not not thinking like, oh, well, Chris will buy the other one, or Paul's going to buy this. I would go. I would go with Padwan, uh, only because I know that in a couple issues, McNiven's not going to be on art, and I probably won't like the book anymore. <laughs> I'm going to oh. give the Paul answer, and you guys are going to be like, oh, yeah, of course that's the Paul answer. Uh, I'm going to pick up Uncanny and Humans and start watching, okay, Star no. Wars Rebels, because I'll get my fix there. For this character, I, I would probably go Kanan as well. Oh. It's I want to see what happens to a Padawan who's I'm guessing master gets cut down and he's forced and, on the run. And there's no oh. other Jedi. You know, she's sacrificing himself so herself so he can run, right? Like that's that's the start of that next book. It that comes out this Wednesday. Not, not to keep talking about Kanan, but. We kind of got it in Revenge of the Sith where it's just like, oh, nope, it's abrupt. Like, mm-hmm. they have the Jedi and the missions with the clones, and then the Order comes through and they just come down. It kind of just turns the knife a little bit where they're sitting around a fire, like, joking around with them. And then yeah. it's like, oh, oh, it's time. Let's, let's blast these guys to hell. Uh, it's also the book that I've been missing because there's that <clears throat> Vader Jedi Hunter book that's out there. Mm-hmm. That that's what Vader did after... That mm-hmm. call is he was hunting down 
the rest of the Jedi. So, yeah, this Jedi on the run, where is he going to lead? Is he going to team up with some other Jedis and they're going to be cut down too? Like, and he's just, he's a survivor of master after master after master. Like, where is this kid going to go? I'm so excited for Rebels because it's, (laughs) it's what I love. It's an old, it's an old, uh, cattle rancher being called up to do one more pony show. Well, and like, by know? the time this episode's posted, this isn't going to matter. I told Paul this earlier. Right now, all of Star Wars Rebels is available to stream on StarWars.com until May 4th. And tomorrow, or when you listen to this, is uh, Happy May 4th, everybody. Happy yeah. Star Wars hey, Day. Happy Star Wars Day. <laughs> tomorrow? Yeah. Tomorrow. May the 4th be with you. So we're watching all of these right after this, right? Yeah. Pizza and Wings, Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> Does it? 818. Does it work for you? Yeah. Yeah, normally we're not even recording yet. All right. So, uh, five home by 10. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoy your Star Wars day as much as we will. Uh, you can like us over at face, over at, uh, the iTunes, well, over on Facebook, you like us. And I always ask, but Chris, how about yeah. you put in an impartial plea for, uh, rating and review? You know, you really need to get Sultry out there it. and, re- Rate and review us, because that's what's going to drive us up in the rankings, and that's what's going to let other people see that we're out there. And mm-hmm. if we're something you love, let the yeah. world know. Yeah, do it. Let yeah. people know. Let them know. Word of mouth. Yeah, just, mouths. You just spread that. It. Spread it. But make sure you're also checking us out over at bagdenboard.com, where you can see the episode notes for this episode, see what books we're actually looking forward to, not just listen to us talk about it, but check out the artwork. You can see that dramatic reading panel that Paul so eloquently brought to life. Uh, and you can also read all the articles that we've put up within the past week. I think we had like four articles go up in a week. Yeah. And you know <laughs> Thank what? Thank you so much for writing. Hey, everybody. You're welcome. Uh, more, more coming soon too. Cause yeah. I, I'm, I'm Paul, farming Paul and I up. are teaming up for something new. We're going to bring some board to the Bagden board cast. That's right. We're bringing uh, some cardboard to this. We're going to start talking about uh, board games. Board games. Something we both love almost as much as beer and comic books. And those will be uh, bagged and board bites that you can see on our YouTube channel. Yeah, we have one of those, too. It's been a little bit neglected since the new 52 started. But those will also be posted over on Bagged and Board. So that's your one-stop shop for everything. If you Mm -hmm. want to stream the episodes, check out articles, show notes, bagged and board bites. Mm -hmm. Wow. That works out well for you. Everywhere. You're so lucky. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Tumblers. Why Instagram? Why haven't they found us if we're everywhere? 